This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. I am shocked that people are shocked at the Amber Geiger verdict. There is no such thing as an accidental shooting. Well, unless you were at at our gun rage this weekend, and we actually had, I didn't tell anyone this, and Zach is looking at me like I'm crazy, but we actually had a homeless person actually venture out on the backstop behind the berm of the gun range. Now, that's that would have been an accidentally shooting. shooting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He actually, and, and I got a call from the Travis County Sheriff's Department. It was actually mayhem. It was completely madness. So we had a homeless guy actually wind up on the behind the berm of the gun range. And we're there every single day, every single Saturday. Same, same bat time, same bat channel. This homeless guy winds up on the, on the back of the berm, and so he walks around the side. He comes behind us, and he's on the phone with 911, and he's telling them, hey, these guys are shooting at me. And I'm like, and my, my students say, hey, you need to come talk to this guy. Something's like really weird going on. And I'm actually scanning everyone. I'm thinking, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm thinking someone's having a heart attack, someone's uh, having a heat stroke or something like that. And so I go up and I say, you know, what's going on? I figure out, okay, this guy's on the phone with 911. I grab, this, I grab his phone. I talk to the 911 dispatcher. And she tells me, yeah, this guy is like, something's wrong with him. And he end up, he wind up being behind the backstop behind the berm of the gun range. Did he have a tent set up? So they were actually trying to talk this guy into coming toward them. You know, they're actually, he actually had a cell phone. And and they were trying to get him to walk toward the deputies, the sheriff deputies. And so he didn't want to go towards the sheriff's deputies. Instead, he came toward where we were. And we started firing, and he just totally flipped out and thought we were actually shooting at him. You know, this this is out of control in this town. I'm telling you right now. Uh, and, and that literally scared me because I have 25 students shooting 50 rounds, and you walk behind the berm of the gun range, there's no t- we don't we won't even know who shot and killed you. We won't even know. You're talking 50 rounds, you know, you know, 20 people, 20 people, 50 rounds. Wow. Per person. Yeah, a thousand rounds going into that berm there. Oh yeah, we wouldn't even know. 
All right, so <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, uh, we got a packed show for you today. We got a lot of things going on. Uh, so the we're going to talk about the Amber Geiger, Geiger verdict. You know, is it either you know was it negligence or was it an, an intentional? Uh, imagine this: you are at home one evening. Uh, you just started a new job with a company. Things are going great at church, and you decided to celebrate with a bowl of ice cream. You know, and I you know I enjoy that. I enjoy sitting on the on the sofa with a nice bowl of ice cream, and you know just relaxing. And he probably was smoking a joint. I don't do that. No, we don't don't inhale here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Any comments, Zach? Yeah, you shouldn't because then uh, form forty four seventy three. That is correct. Asks you. That is correct. You yeah, we don't do that here. Uh, so you you know you sit on the sofa and you're in your pajamas and you pull out that laptop to prepare for your new job, and then you start to dig out dig into the ice cream, and all of a sudden your front door opens, a burglar starts yelling and screaming unintelligible at you. And within seconds, you are shot. A burglar burglar just literally shot you, broke into your home. It was a home invasion. Now you can't breathe. You're spitting up blood. You ask for help, but the person just, just watched you and never rendered aid, and then you were gone. Now the burglar broke into the wrong apartment, and the burglar never saw the, the bright red carpet outside your door. The only door in the entire apartment complex on any floor that had a red carpet on the foot of the door. Yeah, that thing stood out, as did the three potted plants <laughs> that were on the sides of the door. You as missed well. the potted plants. You missed the red carpet. Now, does the burglar deserve a hug? Well, put yourself into someone else's shoes for a second. And I have to ask my people of the Second Amendment because, you know, when I when I look at this case of the, you know, of Amber Geiger and I, I look at people's comments, it really made me look at people with a side eye. I really took a look and I, I had to think, you know, wow, these are my Facebook friends. Because what if someone broke into your home and you're sitting on your sofa and they pointed a gun at you? You're eating ice cream. The first thing you would have thought of is pulling your gun out and shooting them and stopping them right there in their tracks. And, you know, I had to I had to go back and look at the schematics of this apartment. When you look at the schematics, you know, I thought that the door opened up to the living room. But that's not the case. The way that door opened up, it opened up and then you the first room you came to was the kitchen. So you mean tell me this officer didn't even notice that the kitchen wasn't hers. What lady don't know her kitchen? <laughs> well, what she said was that she was working overtime and she was, you know, delirious or whatever, tired, and uh, maybe a little bit, um, you know, worked up because of the text messages. Oh, because of the sexting. She sending. Because uh -huh. she was sexting her partner. <laughs> this gets good. It gets really good. We're going to talk about that on the second half because that, that gets really good. There were a little, little sexting going on. And some other things going on. We're going to get into that really good. Uh, but, you know, first, I, we need to get an update on the bump stocks. You know, because, you know, I'm really upset about what's happening with my bump stock. You know, I need to have my bump stock. Uh, there's no reason I shouldn't have my bump stock. Uh, is, you know, and you know, especially uh, my wounded veterans that are out there who have served their country faithfully, come home, defended this country. 
And now they want to, they've been wounded, and they want to be able to shoot a rifle again. They deserve to be able to fire a rifle again. And so that bump stock actually aids them in anyone else that wants to use it. And it's not even about that. It's not even about wounded veterans. You know, that's just one caveat to the whole thing. But well, let's get into it. Let me bring into the conversation um, our attorney, uh, Caleb Kruckenberg. He's with the New Civil Liberties Alliance, NCLA. And he's going to tell us the update on the bump stock because what's happening is uh, when it comes to bump stocks, uh, the ATF has admitted that they may not have had the authority to do anything with bump stocks. Let's welcome to the show Caleb Kruckenberg. Welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Hey, uh, thanks, Michael. Uh, it's always good to talk to you. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty outrageous. You know, recently the ATF admitted to us in a court filing that, uh, yeah, they didn't really have the authority in the first place to ban bump stocks. And you would kind of think that that would be the end of it and that if they can't ban, ban bump stocks, then you know there's really nothing for anybody to do anymore. Um, unfortunately, what what they've said now in, is that bump stocks have always been illegal er, from the very beginning. Whoa! Um, which you know that's pretty pretty outrageous thing to say, um, considering you know everybody who ever purchased a bump stock and every manufacturer of a bump stock, uh, they asked the ATF for permission. First of all, the, all the manufacturers went to the ATF and they said, "Hey, um, we want, we need your classification. We need a ruling on this. Is a bump stock a machine gun or is it just uh, a lawful accessory?" Wow. You know what, Caleb? And, hold on, yeah. that. Hold on, that, Caleb. Uh, Caleb's with the NCLA. The man, I tell you, the NCLA is an awesome organization, and they go around the country defending our. Not only just our Second Amendment rights, but they defend all the constitutional rights. They don't focus on just the Second Amendment. They focus on a lot of things. You know, I always tell people it's not who's listening to the show. It's not how many people are listening. It's actually, it actually really is who's listening. You know, I, I, see, I see David Escamilla. He's the Travis County attorney. Uh, he's tuned in to the show. Uh, that that really ma makes a difference. We have uh, our current uh, county attorney. We have our DA that's listening to the show. We have some sheriffs uh, around the state that are listening to the show. I like this. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. 
That's right. We're talking about the Amber Geiger uh, case. We're also talking about the bump stocks. Giving you an update on what's happened with the bump stocks. NCLA is in the house. They're on the telephone. We have an attorney from New Civil Liberties Alliance, and he's giving us an update on bump stocks. That first video, if you were watching on Facebook, you saw the Amber Alert. And what that was was, you know, if you're running, you're sitting at home. I don't know. We're in class this weekend in a license carry handgun course, and all of a sudden, everyone's phones went off. It was an Amber Alert. <laughs> and so it's like almost like they expect for us to run outside the door, find this, you know, find this child and, you know, rip her out of this vehicle and find the vehicle and, 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 and save her immediately. You know, so that was the little take on that little Amber Alert. And also the second video there was people on the Internet. That's, that's what it's like on social media. When I'm watching people on Facebook, on Twitter, you know, all of a sudden they're barking, they're barking, they're barking. The gates open. You have access to, you know, to get to each other. And all of a sudden you just go home. That's what it was like. <laughs> but let, let me bring back into the conversation uh, Caleb Kruckenberg. He's an attorney with New Civil Liberties Alliance. Caleb, you want to come and talk it? Uh, right. And, uh, you know, so I, I just wanted to give you an update, too, about where we're at uh, with the bump stocks. You know, as I was saying, you know, the ATF, I, they've taken this position now that, uh, yeah, they're, we're right. They, they never should have passed a rule banning bump stocks, but, you know, according to them, bump stocks have always been illegal. You know, I don't think the courts are really going to buy that. And, you know, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, we have two cases. So obviously uh, we have a case with you, Michael, here in, in Austin, um, and that case is, is going forward. You know, we're we're going in front of the judge, it looks like probably the very beginning of the year, January, February, and we're going to have a judge rule on whether that kind of reasoning and that kind of, you know, argument from the ATF really passes. And, you know, we're optimistic because I don't think any, any real judge who's going to hear this kind of argument is really going to believe that the ATF has always thought that everybody who bought a bump stock was breaking the law and was, was, using machine gun illegally well with bump stocks didn't they uh i know that slide fire included a letter from the atf basically the letter that they sent slide fire saying that no it is not a machine gun it is a legal part that's right and you know i'm, I'm sure michael uh can can attest to this but when you buy a slide fire you actually get uh, a laminated letter put in it in the box, that's a letter from the ATF that the ATF sent to the manufacturer that says, uh, we've analyzed the slide fire. It is not a machine gun. It's not prohibited by federal law. And it was, it was every kind of uh, bump stock. It was slide fire was several other uh, manufacturers. And, and they, the ATF itself sent a letter out saying, this is perfectly legal. Um, but now what's happened is is the agencies, they just changed their mind and they said, well, we were wrong. Actually, you were all criminals all along because you followed our advice. Mm. And, you know, I, I, this is just and, and I'll kind of back up a little bit. You know, the reason that my organization is involved in this case is this is just one kind of an example of what an administrative agency can do and what administrative agencies do around the country in a lot of different contexts. Um, you know, this is a real egregious example, in my opinion, because, you know, you have this agency, the ATF, that they're not Congress, they're not lawmakers, 
you know, but they take it upon themselves to say, we don't like bump stocks for whatever reason. We're just going to change the law and we're going to make something illegal, even though we don't have the power to do that. And, you know, they, they taken these things off the market and they're threatening now to prosecute people. Oh, that's, yeah, just unacceptable whatsoever. So, you know, so Caleb, tell me, you know, what's happening as far as the, you know, there's a suit that's happening in Texas and also there's another state. Um, and so, right. you know, give us an update with that one. So there, there's two lawsuits, as I, as I mentioned. There's one in Utah, and that one was filed a little bit uh, earlier. And we're, where we're at right now is we're in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals on appeal. And we, you know, unfortunately, the, the court in Utah disagreed with us, and, and the judge ruled against us, saying that, you know, the ATF has the power to ban bump stocks. We're optimistic that the appellate court, the Tenth Circuit, is going to see through that and disagree with it. Um, we have an argument in that case coming up at the first of the year, and you know, hopefully we'll we'll get a decision sh- soon after that. And what we're really hoping is that the the appellate court is going to sit down with this, and you know, they're going to make the right decision, and they're going to say for everybody, for the whole country, that the ATF had no business doing that. Mm. But while that's happening, you know, just in case they don't come up with the right answer. Um, like I said, we have a case here in Austin, your case, where we've we've also sued the ATF, and that one the the trial judge hasn't yet made a decision. So we're we're waiting for that decision, and we're we're hopeful that he'll make the right choice too. So we're we're sort of hedging our bets on this. Okay, in the case here in in Texas in Austin, there was a hearing in August. What was that all about? Well, um, so mostly we're just doing scheduling right now, but. You know, it's it's very interesting in that case because one of the things the ATF had to do is they had to give us all the information that went into their rulemaking. Because just kind of a little bit of background, the ATF they issued this rule where they said from now on bump stocks are illegal; they're machine guns, um, and you know they have to give us lots of information about what made them make that decision. And what's interesting is the information we got from the ATF is pretty pretty minimal and pretty transparent. You know, what happened obviously in back in October of 2017 there was a shooting in Las Vegas and after that happened, you know, because the the shooter used a bump stock, people in the ATF said we're going to ban these. Whatever we have to do, we're going to make these illegal. And there's a lot of email chatter within the ATF where they're saying, you know, yeah, these are probably legal. Uh, it doesn't look like we can really ban them, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. And you know, there's even dissent among the ATF where there's examiners saying, "Yeah, but we don't have any power to do that." And you know, so that's it's really interesting, and it's interesting that that's coming from the agency. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I found that you know kind of weird because you know it's almost like a you're seeing a an agency within the federal government actually has the authority to legislate and and that's right. actually kind of weird to me well and I, I think and you know the atf as we've we've fought these cases it seems like they they understand that they really don't have the power to do this i mean we actually got a a, a filing in the in the case we have in utah recently 
that said, the ATF said, they admitted, they don't have the power to make bump stocks illegal. And Caleb, and, it, it's really not about the Second Amendment. It's really not right. you know, that you're a Second Amendment organization. You know, it's actually something a little different. Right. We're a we're an organization. You know, what we care about is about the right way to make laws. You know, we've said a lot of times when discussing this case, you know, if Congress wanted to make this decision and ban bump stocks, we would stand aside because that's not what our concern is. What our concern is the ATF is just they're not the legislature. They're not Congress. And they're taking that role over and they're making laws and they're saying what should be illegal and what should not be illegal. And that's not that's not the way it works. I mean, nobody voted for these people in the ATF and nobody can vote them out if they don't like what they're doing. And, you know, that's unfortunately something that we see in a lot of different agencies. It's like I said, it's not just firearms. It's, uh, you know, it's livestock regulations and things like that, that that affect people's lives. And, you know, bump stocks are really scary for me because if the ATF's right, then they can make people into criminals and mm. they can send people to prison for doing something the ATF said was okay. Right. Because initially, you know, uh, on the Obama administration, and bump stocks were legalized. Now here we are right. under the Trump administration, we're saying they're not legal. You know, so, we're, you know, the people are a little confused. Right. And, you know, and, and I think it's also really, uh, you know, it's it's not an unreasonable fear that I have that somebody out there bought a bump stock. They have that letter from the ATF saying it's it's OK to have this. And even though the bump stock ban went into effect, I'm I'm concerned there are people out there, you know, they haven't surrendered their bump stocks. They haven't destroyed them because they don't know. And they think, you know, they see the letter from the ATF and they think, well, I'm safe. The ATF said it's okay. <laughs> and unfortunately, the way things stand right now, at least according to the government, they can prosecute those people with a federal felony and send them to prison. And we've actually, for, and actually, a couple of weekends ago, uh, we actually had two weeks ago, someone actually in Houston was arrested, you know, with a bump stock, you know. So right. Yeah, so that has come up, and so we'll see what happens with that case as well. We'll talk with Caleb Kruckenberg. He's an attorney with New Civil Liberties Alliance. That's NCLA. They're a nonprofit organization that you know helps fight against the government when the government overstepped their bounds. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Austin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, 
And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Let me tell you, for my fans on Facebook Live, you got a little treat there. You got a chance to listen to the Texas legislature. That's Facebook. right. You know, normally, <laughs> normally we say a Florida man, but in this case here, we got to say a Texas man was debating anal sex. That's right. Boy, you had to watch it on Facebook Live because that debate was out. It was just crazy. Debating anal sex, whether to do it or not? or It was what? legalizing, decriminalize. We got to watch it. <laughs> so you got to be careful there. We can't go too close. It is Sunday. All right, so we're, we're on the phone with uh, NCLA. That's the... <laughs> the New Civil Liberties Alliance and actually the organization defending bump stocks for us. Uh, and we're really grateful to NCLA. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't for NCLA, you know, we wouldn't have a, you know, a tool to stop the government and what they're doing because not a lot of people are stepping up to the plate. And you know, there are organizations out there that we normally turn to. Uh, we expect for them to step up to the plate and say, hey, you know, the government's saying, hey, we're going to walk into your house and take something that you legally purchase, you own, you possess, and we're going to make you turn that in or destroy it. And that is absurd. And, you know, thanks to NCLA, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, they're saying, you know what, we need to stop this and we need to fight this right now at the gate. So let me welcome uh, Caleb Kruckenberg. He's our attorney with NCLA, New Civil Liberties Alliance, and they're fighting this fight for us. Well, thanks, Michael. And, you know, you're you're right um, about this kind of case and that there aren't a lot of other organizations out there who have stepped up and fight, you know, are willing to fight about this. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of other groups that don't have, you know, a very principled stance about this. And they say, you know, we, we think bump stocks are uh, controversial or something like that, and we're not willing to step in and and protect people. And you know that's that's not something that the New Civil Liberties Alliance ever considers. You know we we take on cases that are important, and we try to stop administrative agencies from overreaching and from violating people's rights, no matter what. And you know even if it's you know, something that, that people shy away from, you know, that's, that's really where the important fights are. And, you know, so, so today it's bump stocks, but tomorrow it's something else. And, you know, I think what you're touching on too is, is really critical because it's just what you said. You bought this thing legally. Everyone who bought a bump stock, they went to the store, they purchased it, they had the permission to do it. And now it's in their home or it was in their home. And and the ATF just by themselves, they said, nope, too bad. You, you're now a criminal. You have to destroy it. Um, you know, we're going to take your property away from you that you lawfully purchased because we've now decided it's a crime uh, because it's politically convenient for us. And and that's not the way society works. That's not the way the government works. And you know, those kind of cases, it's really important for organizations like ours to step in and and do what we can to stop that. And, and and if you're looking to you know donate, I get people that call and say, hey, they want to donate to an organization uh, who's helping you know the fight or you know champion the fight. And New New Civil Liberties Alliance is that organization. If you want to donate, I'm telling you right now. Well, and and thank you very much, Michael. And and you know it's and I just encourage everybody to go to our website too. You know if you're interested in what we do, um, www.ncla 
bumpstock.org, um, you know, we have lots of different cases around the country. It's not just bump stocks. Obviously, it's a very important case for us, and, and we're fighting it as hard as we can. Um, you know, but, but you can see on our website, we do a lot of other work around the country, and, you know, we're, we're really committed to making sure that laws are passed by Congress, not legislative, or not administrative agencies, and, you know, judges rule on laws, and people shouldn't be punished for violating, you know, administrative edicts from these people, these bureaucrats in, in Washington. It's just not right. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you know, thank you, Caleb. I appreciate you coming on and talking to us and giving us an update on what's happened with the bump stocks because I get that question a lot. You know, hey, Mike, you know, what's going on with the bump stocks? You know, am I going to be able to get my bump stocks back? You know, am I going to be able to, to buy a bump stock again, ever again? You know, so, you know, we really appreciate what the NCLA, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, is actually doing for us out there. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. And you, you know what, sir? You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. All right. right. All right, so let's change gears a little bit. Going to talk about the Amber Geiger sentence uh, that took place this week, and a lot of people are up in arms about this. I tell you, and I'm looking at I'm looking at different people's Facebook pages, and they're talking about this, they're talking about that, and they're talking about Amber Geiger and what's going on. So you know what? I invited Grits for Breakfast into the studio, uh, and that's gritsforbreakfast.org. Um, you know, so I invited you know Scott Henson in to tell us about. You know, what's going on? And give us an update on, on this case. Because I'm asking you people out there. You're on the phone. Uh, you're on Facebook. Was Amber Geiger's, was that sentence fair? Was it just, you know, should she have gotten more than 10 years or less than 10 years? Or should she not have been convicted at all? I'm curious of what your thoughts are. Should she have been able to use the stand your ground law? Uh, should she have been able to use the, you know, the Texas Castle Doctrine? So definitely, you know, call us. Give me your thoughts on that. Our call-in number is 512-543-2284. That's 512-543-2284. Come and talk it. Tell me what your thoughts are. Let's welcome Scott Henson to the show, Grits for Breakfast. You know, I, love, I love some grits. Thanks for having me, Michael. Absolutely, sir. Uh, so tell us, you know, what's, what's the update? What's going on with this case? Oh, my gosh. Well, it's a crazy case. And you ask, is the sentence right? This is the third Dallas police officer that's been convicted of murder in the past several years. It really has, or in Dallas County, um, the first Dallas police officer, Dallas city proper in 40 years. But uh, recently we've had several, and, and there were two 10-year sentences, one 15-year sentence. And so this is what, when a cop is actually convicted of shooting someone improperly, another one was a, a young kid, 15-year-old kid who was shot in the back while fleeing, that guy got a 15-year sentence. And so it's right in the range of what those other officers are getting. At the same time, if anyone else had just walked into somebody's home and shot them dead while they're eating a bowl of ice cream on the, the couch, mm. it would likely be a life sentence. And so, or, or certainly very, very long sentence. And so, you know, it's one of those Rorschach tests, right? It, it almost says more about, you know, the person speaking, what, what sentence they think it should be than there's not really a, a right or wrong thing. This is kind of a new era. We haven't really seen police officers being held accountable when they shoot somebody wrongly in the past. Usually those cases are no billed by the grand jury and we never get this far. So this is sort of new territory. We're sort of seeing how this plays out. 
you know, for the first time in Texas, I can't think of outside of Dallas other cases where, you know, we've seen an officer go to trial in a situation like this. And people, people ask me, you know, Michael, what are your thoughts on this case? Well, when I look at the face of the case, I'm thinking, man, she committed burglary. She broke into this person's home. It doesn't matter what she thought. She was wrong. She burglarized his home. Anytime you, the Texas definition of burglary, if you enter unlawfully in someone's home uh, you, you, or habitation, you know, that is burglary. Uh, you're, you know, if you walk into some, even if the door's unlocked and you walk into that home and you're committing, you know, you know, murder, several things there, then that is considered burglary. And to me, she committed burglary. And yet the bizarre part is she used the Castle Doctrine defense to defend herself. And because she actually claimed that she thought it was her own home, the judge had to allow her to use that defense. The Texas statute is actually much broader than some, the Castle Doctrine in some other states. You don't have to be defending your home. There has to be a belief that you're defending your home. Right. Well, I don't think before this case we've had an episode that really sort of highlighted how the the the, the possible absurdities that stem could stem from that language, right? I mean, just to claim, oh, I believed I was in my home or, or defending my home and you're not anywhere near it and you can still use it, that's bizarre. Mm. And at the same time, we've had cases where the cops break into someone's home with no-knock raids with the SWAT team. They defend themselves. And they're not able to use the Castle Doctrine. And so there, there's really some absurdity surrounding that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know the legislature ends up revisiting that in, in, in light of it because it's not really working for anybody on either side there. Yeah, and someone, yeah. to, someone told me one time, they say, you know what, when it comes to you know, the people and juries, you know, they, they know when an officer is doing something wrong and they literally would turn a blind eye. They'll ignore it. Yeah, it really worried me when I heard that the judge had said she could be considered for the Castle Doctrine because that would basically set a precedent that anyone could go into anyone else's house and be dead kill wrong. Them. Be yeah. dead wrong and uh-huh. kill someone. Yeah, outside of the law. Right. To be fair, it really the judge had no choice because the statute is written so broadly. If the judge had not allowed uh, the Castle Doctrine defense to be used, then it almost certainly would have been grounds to overturn it on appeal. And so the fault is at the legislature for writing the law too broadly in the first place. Our Castle Doctrine, that, that part about where you don't have to be in your home, you just have to have a belief, you don't see that in other states. And I think that's sort of where that confusion comes from. So so the law, the, I'm not a lawyer, but the legal experts I've talked to universally say the judge had no choice. The problem is that the law is written so broadly. And for those people that don't know what the Texas Castle Doctrine actually means, it means that if someone attempts to enter unlawfully your home, your vehicle, your place of business, you can use force or daily force to stop them. If someone enters or attempts to enter your home, your vehicle, your place of business, you can use force or daily force to stop them. That's the Texas Castle Doctrine. And for those that people that don't know what the stand your ground law means, you know, let me tell you that the stand your ground means that stand your ground means that you, one, you need to be justified under the law. That means, let's see, is this person committing? You know, I'm at home, and I want to stand my ground, or or let's say I'm Amber Geiger, and I want to stand my ground. 
is this person committing aggravated kidnapping, murder, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, robbery, aggravated robbery? Are they attempting to enter or remove me from my occupied habitation, my vehicle, my place of business or employment? Then I can stand my ground. You know, do I have a right to be there? Am I trespassing? You know, if I'm not, I can stand my ground. You know, did I provoke this person? Did I start the fight? If I did not, I can stand my ground. You know, am I committing a crime? We're not talking about class C misdemeanors. We're talking about class B's, class A's, and felonies. If I'm, you know, if I'm not committing a crime, you know, then I can stand my ground. That is what the stand your ground law means. And, and I have no duty to retreat. So those differences between the stand your ground and the Texas Castle Doctrine. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're talking about the Amber Geiger case. And uh, you're watching that video on Facebook Live there. You know, you, you people would make you think that, you know, shootings and church shootings only started in the 2000s. You know, but they forget about the shooting that happened in the 1980s. And that's why we wanted to play that video to educate you a little bit because you're going to learn today. You know, shootings that just they just didn't start, you know, yesterday or last year or the year before that. We've always had these type of shootings because you know what? We've always had crazies around uh, that decided to walk into a church on the Sunday morning and shoot innocent people while they're sitting in church praising God. Yeah, you're going to learn today. All right, so we're talking about the Amber Geiger case. And what you were mentioning, you know, when we went on the break, you're talking about, you know, the fact that let's take the gun range for, you know, for example. You know, this guy that's behind the gun range, you know, behind the berm there, <laughs> you know, who's homeless, you know, he could have said he, he pitched a tent there. He could have said, you know what, I'm standing my ground because I pitched a tent and this is my home and you're firing at my home. I have a right to be here. Right. Well, if he had a gun, that you that that you might well have seen that defense right. if it had turned into a into gunplay. Because he can actually he can actually have a gun in his tent, and he doesn't need a license for that. Well, and I think that's a question of what is a home. the The Amber Geiger question more hinges on this vagueness of what is your do you believe you're in your home or something. And so, uh, you know, whether someone's tent, you know, it's on private property or you know, is a home that that that's that's. Uh, a weird question unto itself, but this belief question that's raised in the Geiger case, you know, you think about someone who's, say, a paranoid schizophrenic or, you know, has a, a true mental illness and is hearing voices and believes things that aren't true. If it's just about what you believe and all of a sudden that justifies it, then that person just carries the castle doctrine around with them 
in a little bubble wherever they go. Oh right? yeah, you know I like I like to thank the mayor because he truly has you know he he's given us this tool where you know hey you know if I have I want to pitch a tent on Congress Avenue I can act, actually actually have a gun in my tent and I don't need a license. <laughs> Thanks, Mayor Adler. <laughs> thank you, Mayor Adler. We sure appreciate you. That's right. I can bring more guns in Austin on Congress. <laughs> that's why they didn't want tents in front of City Hall. That, that's why they didn't really want tents in City Hall. But that's okay. You know, we're going to have them across the street, though, one of these days. <laughs> right in front of the W instead. Right, right in front of the W. We're going to do some gun cleaning. Right there in front of the W. Gun cleaning in a tent. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the Amber Geiger case. And, you know, and someone mentioned the fact that one of the witnesses that actually came forward was actually shot and killed on Friday night. And we don't, we don't, we're not sure about the circumstances of this this shooting. What a crazy development. Insane. I mean, the first, if we don't know that it had anything to do with this case. Don't but if, know. But if it was retaliation or what something. What I do know is, oh a, my gosh. A sitting president of the United States was killed in Dallas. So right. I'm not surprised by anything. It, it's certainly not beyond the pale to think that it might be related and that somebody might be retaliating and probably other police officers retaliating. If you that's never what it is. know. You never know, but it could be other things. It, it, I mean, there, it, we know so little about what's going on with that, but wow, that that sure would take it to the next level. Was this guy a key witness in the case? Uh, I I don't know how whether the describing as a key witness because obviously she'd admitted to everything, and this was just sort of he was the guy who heard uh, was close enough to hear the arguments and to hear the shots, and and so and and was the I think the main other apartment dweller that testified to that. But because, you know, she really admitted to everything, and it was just a question of how you interpret the situation, you know, she was really the key witness in many ways. And, 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 but regardless. So it's know, not like this guy nailed in the last nail in the coffin for her. But it's like, oh, you're going to talk about one of ours? That's, that's, the, that's what might motivate it again. It's way too early. <laughs> you know, I don't want to speak out of school because it's, it's just crazy that it happened. And it just amps up the tension around this case so much more. Uh, what what well what's wild about it is the fact that you know, man, you know she was you know there was some sexting going on, and the fact that you know once the shooting happened, she was pacing up and down the hallway, you know, saying, "Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job." And honestly, if you you know, I, I've given first aid to people, you know, I've had the unfortunate you know, opportunity to give actually first aid to someone. And let me tell you, you're going to get blood on you. You're going to get blood on you. You're going to get dirty. You get first aid. You have to get mouth to mouth, whatever it is. You, you, you have to give chest compressions. You're going to get blood on your hands, in your fingernails, on your clothes. Um, you're going to get it in your mouth, your face. You're going to get blood on you. And the fact that she didn't have any blood at all, I have doubts about the fact of whether or not she gave him first aid once she found out she accidentally shot him. Well, she had a first aid kit in her backpack that she never opened, never broke into. And so if, if there was any first aid, it was incredibly minimalist because she didn't pull out, for example, the bandages and stuff that she had in, in her actual possession mm -hmm. on her at the time. And, and really, I mean, you're right. She was, she was out on the, she was out pacing out front back when, and forth when it happened or, or when the cops finally arrived, she wasn't in there tending to that person. No. If someone's in, if someone, you know, is laying on the floor bleeding out and you're not physically with them gurgling. and you're the one who did it gurgling, then that's, you know, that's clearly you've, you've abandoned that person at that point. 
And there's a bunch of just weird stuff about this. That you were talked about the sexting back and forth with her, with her boyfriend, who was her partner. Her, uh, she was uh, sleeping. They deleted those texts. That That's I called right. that the you know, destruction of evidence. That's right. That's anyone, a crime. Anyone else who had deleted those texts, that would be destruction of evidence, tampering with evidence. He is still on the force. He hasn't been. We haven't even gotten to the murder charge yet. We're talking right. burglary. She should have been charged with burglary. She should have been charged with destruction of evidence for delete, deleting text messages. Uh, how about uh, turning off the camera in the vehicles? Uh, turn off your your camera. You know, yeah. on your uniform. That's destruction of evidence. Uh, that's the, now, of course, the the police union chief, well, the police union head, was the guy who had him turn off the cameras in the vehicle. That's the other weird thing. He shows up. He's a police sergeant. And because he outranked the other officers on the scene, he told them, okay, stop uh, stop questioning her, put her in the back of the police car, turn the cameras and the microphones off in the police car so I can talk to her privately. Well, he's not her lawyer. He didn't have authority to do that. But he, he misused his rank to order people who were beneath him on the rank, uh, by rank, to uh, uh, let him get away with it. If the Dallas Police Department wants to make this right, you know, they would actually, you know, punish, terminate, you know, or sanction, do something to people that actually violated their policy. Right. You know, you're talking about deleting text messages. You're talking about turning off cameras. You broke, you you violated the laws. And in some cases, you actually, you violated the, the, the Dallas Police Department policy and you actually broke the law. Right. When you did this. Right. My, my belief. <laughs> I mean, put my, I'm, I'm putting myself, in, you know, let me put myself... In, in that person's shoes, let's say me, a regular citizen, if I knew that I just did something wrong and I deleted my text messages when I knew police were on the way, right? what do you call that? Destruction right. of evidence. Let right. me swallow something. What do you call that? Destruction of evidence. That's right. And I, I personally believe that the Dallas Police Department should fire both, should fire the guy from the union who did that. That shouldn't be allowed. And the other officer should be prosecuted. The guy who she was having an affair with, the DA needs to charge that guy because anyone else would be charged with, with evidence destruction. Now, the only thing I'd push back just a little bit, you, you say this was burglary. The truth is, if she, hadn't, if she hadn't shot him, if she had gotten to the wrong apartment, pushed open the door, and he's there eating ice cream, she says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong apartment, backed away, then I don't think any of us would call that a burglary, right? And so if what she said happened is really how she got in there and there doesn't appear to be any beef between them before that anyone was able to, to come up with or prove at trial, then, you know, that's one of those weird moments that it's because of what she did afterward that, that, that creates the problem. And now this is a woman who had just several months before been through de-escalation training at the department. The department's trained her. You're not just supposed to pull it out and start shooting at the unarmed person and holding the ice cream immediately. You know, there are, you know, de-escalation methods that she could have employed, and if she had, the guy would still be alive. So, you know, there's a lot to that, and uh, uh, it really, again, it's sort of a Rorschach test. You know, how do you interpret what happened here? And, and, and the bottom line is this. I, I see you, Mike Brown. You know, Mike Brown is saying that, you know, hey, civilian or police officer does not have the right to incriminate themselves. Only if those text messages are known to be material to the incident and that requires proof that there was a knowingness before the destruction. Let me tell you something. You know that you're in a murder investigation. You're in a criminal investigation and you deliberately deleted text messages. You have committed a crime. You have committed a crime. I don't care what I don't care what kind of ice cream, what kind of icing you want to put on this cake. 
you know, that is actually illegal. You committed a crime. You knew something was wrong, and that's why you deleted those messages. And these are police officers, and so they understand what materiality is. It might be that you or I might not understand, oh, this will be material to a case, but the police officer darn well does. Mm. And you got you to understand the law and how the laws are written in every, every, every state. Because in Texas, you know, we have our, our you know, the way our law is written here in Texas. You have the way it's written in Illinois. You have the way it's written in Mississippi. You got to look at the law and how it's applied to those states. And I'm telling you right now, you got to understand the stand your ground law. You got to understand the Texas Castle Doctrine. And I say that and I stress that Texas Castle Doctrine and who that really applies to. You know, who actually, you know, and the jury, you know, hey, did what they did with the what they had to work with. They gave the decision what they had to work with. Hey, funny fact. Oh. So Joshua Brown, the witness that was shot, was shot in the mouth. Mm. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.